Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Mist Apex iRacing Podcast and a special shout out to all you parents out there who finally got rid of your kids uh, back to school and still uh, have work at home. Air quotes, work from home so that you can get in the pod. Hope you're getting some iRacing time in. Hope you're getting faster. We'll try and contribute to that. My contribution is asking questions and generating conversation. Uh, We have expert racers who can give answers, maybe. Firstly, we are joined by Nordschleifer specialist, tyre tester and sim racing good person. Brad Philpott, how's it going, Brad? It's going really well. You can call me pro because I'm actually earning money from this season, um, which is something we'll talk about later yeah, on today. pro sim racer. And that's, after all those titles, I feel like I should really build our next guest up as well. But I'll just say uh, Alex Van Jean is here. Yeah, the, the Billy who's had a PC less than a year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting you talk about being um, uh, kid-free. This is the first day i'm pretty much child free uh, and i'm spending my lunch break doing this and it is a lunch break so we cannot go over an hour <laughs> fair enough uh, no these the i think 40 minutes is a good length of time uh, for this but I, i've been able to get some pod time in i monday i spent the first three hours of the day after the kids went to school sat literally just sat shell-shocked at the lockdown homeschooling hell and then I started pulling out the rig and just doing some laps and it was great i just turned the wheel in the porsche rsr just some a few laps around to bring, you know, nothing stressy. Did some street stocks, which I keep being determined to try and enjoy that, but I never seem to find a good race. I'm looking for the thing that people say is good. I'm not finding it yet. Uh, do you guys stray much from from road racing? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. I, I actually thought I'd done more than I really have. I looked at my oval racing, eye racing career and there's like two or three races. <laughs> I'm sure sometimes I think, oh, I'll just have a go. And then it goes horribly. And I think, no, I don't know what I was thinking. I'll just go back to what I know. And Alex? Uh, I've had a mess about, but I'm not out of rookies on anything else. Um, I, I keep, like you, I keep thinking I'm going to enjoy oval racing. And it's going really, really well. And then someone just flies across the circuit and wipes you out. And like, well, that was a waste. Well, the opposite and- can be true as well. So I did um, the... Uh, the IndyCar DW12, which is free content, and also at Charlotte as well, which is kind of an oval, but one of the sides is a, has got a bit of a kink in it. And 
because I've got no no I rating in ovals, it put me in the dead bottom split of about 147 drivers. And out of the 24 starters, by by lap three, there was only 12 on the same lap. So half the field had been wiped out. And, uh, and I think at the end of the race, there was only six proper runners left. I won by, by over a lap. So I lapped the field. And I was like, and that's the first time I'd ever done that format. So I didn't leave with a very good impression of the general standard, but I guess that was bottom split. Yeah, I think it's um, it sometimes impresses me actually how many people are paying for the iRacing service and are happy to just be that person crashing in the bottom split because you think, you know, even if you're not that good yet, you just take some time to stay on the track and do a similar thing to you where, okay, you're in the bottom split, but let's just try and build our eye rating and progress in this format of oval racing but some people just seem happy to to spend their money and just stay in the bottom split crashing but my adventures into week 13 aside because i have to say i wasn't massively impressed with, with the content available with week 13 uh, mostly we've been getting excited about the missed apex round one formula three series which is starting this friday at spa francorchamps um really getting excited for that been doing all the liveries uh, we've got 58 cars including both of you two lined up on the grid it's going to be absolute carnage but before we can get to the fun of that i do want to address week 13 because i don't like it at all i know alex and kyle love it i think brad you're with me and look before we get to the reasons of why there's a week 13 my main beef is i resisted spending money apart from the subscription for so long like i really tried my best to like master the mx5 series before getting sucked into buying a bunch of content and then when I have committed to buying the content, that is a big deal for me. I am not a wealthy person. I have a wife who does not know the full extent of my iRacing spend and would be unhappy. <laughs> Everyone's putting their hands up and would be very unhappy. And it was the same with golf as well, where like she'd ask her, how much does a golf ball cost? And I'd show her like the cheapest ones, not, not her knowing that I'd bought like the high spin ones, which were pointlessly good like way too good for my level anyway, that are like a tenner a box and I was going to lose them all on the first tee anyway. I paid all that money for the track, the content. I've signed up for the F3 season, so I've bought the car, a load of the tracks, um, some of which I will never race again because they're awful, Road Atlanta. And then you get to week 13 and suddenly you can't do any of the stuff you've you've paid for. You get some time off, you get to sit down, it doesn't matter. iRacing just goes, nah, now you've got to drive little wings or indycar why is it good alex so for, for for reference i don't really partake in week 13 um i have a couple of I, I, when when there's a car on there that i've got i'll have a play just if some of you guys are on just as a bit of a social but as far as a competition i don't like week 13 but i completely understand why week 13 has to exist um and we had a big discussion about this yesterday. Um, a very calm discussion as far as anyone which, knows. Which is going to be fun just because you two disagreed and everybody else in our chat agreed. And I'm here on my own with you two. So this isn't going to go well. Oh, how did um, that work out? But the reason is, is um, iRacing take week 13 to do big upgrades to the entire system, to cars, to tyre models, to everything else. And the reason they have to do that during week 13 and take a week off from all the major official championships and not just keep running it is because if you've been running in a season and you've been running well in a season you've been doing lots and lots of practice and then all of a sudden from monday to tuesday or yeah monday to tuesday everything changes all of a sudden your setup's wrong all of a sudden um you're not 
as quick as you once were. And it can mess with people's championships, especially if it's towards the end of a championship. It can all ride on it. And you can lose that through, you know, it's it's bad enough when you lose it through faults not of your own when you're on track. But to lose that because they've changed something in the sim that doesn't agree with you, that completely messes everything up. So you have have a break and then get on. So I'm all up for people having a break or having the opportunity to have a week off where they don't have to compete in their particular championship. But I don't understand why you can't still run a sensible, normal, for example, Formula Renault event where you can still get I rating. It's just non-championship for a week. I don't see why we can't just do that because from my point of view, I've spent the last few weeks, maybe even a couple of months, having lots of uh, big kind of endurance events or special events that I've taken my time to prepare for, not redone any officials. And I've suddenly got a week where I don't have any of those things. And I'd really love to just do some I rating gaining Formula Renault or Formula 3 events. And I can't do it because there's nothing available this week <laughs> because it's week 13. I agree. They could very That's a very good option. They could very much throw in a couple of official rounds, but we don't know what's going on in the background. We don't know what they're doing with regards to servers and different things like that and whether that could affect the way they run things and if they're changing things and they've got stuff pulled apart. Because also they'll put in updates and then they'll update the updates. Um, and I just... I. I I agree with your option, though. There should be a couple of officials in there. As far uh, as continuing champ, I think having a week off from championships is a good thing. thing. I'm not buying your argument. All right. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this, but look, that you've still got the last day of week 12 with your F3 car, and then they do their updates. The first time you jump in it competitively is still the Monday of the next week one. So whether that happens... Uh, immediately or whether there's a weak gap doesn't really make a difference. And I'm I'm sure the people at iRacing have like test servers that they're doing the work on. They don't need to they don't need to pull down the F3 and make it unavailable to be able to update those models. I think, and I, and I wouldn't blame them if this was the the truth. I think it's a deliberate policy and it's a nice, convenient excuse that's kind of true to then get you to go and try different stuff and try different content. And that's smart. I get that. Like, I had my first view of the IR01 yesterday by doing the Little Wings. I was bullied into doing the Little Wings. The only car I owned was the Formula Renault 2.0. It was the Silverstone old circuit with, like, a billion bumps everywhere and just random spinning for the on the rear of the FR2. But um, I don't know what the other car was. I think it was an old Indy car. But this IR01 was there. And it's um, something that's been talked about, but I've never gone and checked it out. And it is... Uh, an intimidating looking beast so when you're behind it it's got my massive gigantic wacky races wheels and that's how you think of a formula car when it whizzes and screams by you it looks spectacular and there was a part of me that was like oh well maybe i can just you know drop whatever 17 dollars for this car um then then i was oh yeah no i'm not not to do this race but i I did inquire with like kyle and and richard that were on like is there a IR01 championship? And had there been one, I might have been tempted after that. It turns out they tried it and, it and it didn't work out. There is a championship. Um, I th- I'm assuming it's continuing for this season. The biggest issue with the IR championship was they stuck it in a C-class. They just uh... wanted everyone to go. They wanted everyone to go and buy it. But the problem is that is Formula One car speed that car and Uh. difficult to drive it's an absolute animal apparently um i've watched a lot of videos on it because i was considering it because for me when they brought it out it was after my first season doing the f1 in the old mclaren and it was literally taking people from my championship to that which is why i did f3 
this Instead. season just gone. Yeah. Um, but the problem was when you put now not to degrade the entire C class community, <laughs> but to get to an A class license, you have to not get in crashes, not go off the track, not spin, not crash, um, and have general good racing conduct. Which is why the F one championship being in the A class was so good because everybody was safe. You then shove a bunch of C-class drivers in there, which might just be a bunch of very new drivers to the series who aren't used to driving a car that quickly, and chaos ensues. There's yeah. a really good streamer out there called called Stuffy who makes some really great videos, and some of his content is just absolute craziness, and then he stopped doing it because it, it was, was just too crazy. It was worse than some of the conduct you get in F3. So you, you and Carl are fans of that Stuffy. You've mentioned him quite a bit, and I went to go and check out his tutorials, and they're really good. Um, so if you guys out there listening know know of him or know how to get in contact with him, um, just tell him that the, the guys from Mist Apex iRacing would be interested in saying hi. I'm friends with him in iRacing. Oh, well, like, well you tell him then. <laughs> I, I chat to him a lot on or through his, through his videos. I'll, uh, I will I, I will see if I can get in touch with him. See if he'll come and have a chat with us. It, it reminded me, though, Brad, of some of your comments when Alex started doing the F1, because I, I've been really tempted by that because... You know, the dream is to drive an F1 car and a realistic sim of an F1 car sounds pretty fun. But you kind of put me off it because you said it was almost too fast to bother with. In my opinion, I mean, Alex loves them, but um, I'd find Formula One level cars on sims just, as you said, a bit too quick to race the braking distances being so small. Obviously, just the speeds in general being so high. I think... I'm talking about for running in the top split in a competitive position. I just think the guys who are good are going to be extremely good um, and they'll know all the nuances of um, energy deployment and that kind of thing, which I'm not really interested in getting into. You've got extra complications like DRS, which uh, I know Alex has said isn't really a problem and you kind of just get used to it. But again, I, I like the... I like a bit of purity on my sim racing where I'm just driving the car and not having to worry about all the extra bits that are kind of tagged on to real life cars to make them more exciting for spectators. I'm not really interested in entertaining a spectator by having yes, lots point. of passes with, with DRS and that kind of thing. I just want to race and enjoy my racing. And the closer you can get that to being like a go-kart, really, the better for me. And, and also, like, uh, we turn, both turn crowds off. And the comment you made to me was, yeah, I've done a lot of track racing and there's, there's never a crowd, so it's more realistic. So I've started turning the crowds off and it makes it feel like a bit more a bit more like how it might be. And uh, yeah, I've always have in my head, when we did the MX-5s, for example, I was like, I could physically get in and drive an MX-5 around and I could even imagine myself doing club racing and being fine. And when you and me, Alex, uh, we were invited by the 206 GTI Peugeot Cup Production Cup. I can't remember what their names now, uh, but it was uh, Sam's case going to kill us for not remembering. But we went round per- uh, Silverstone with those, and you know we, we could conceivably go in those championships. Jumping in an F1 car, I think that that is that would stretch the reality of it, if you like. I think it would take me out of sim mode and into game mode. Um, I think for me, the reason I like the IGP series, which is which runs the 2015 Honda-powered McLaren, um, the reason I like it so much is more the strategy. So, for example, in F3 at the moment, I'm stuck. I, I think I discussed last time I was on the show, I'm in this weird position where the aliens are miles ahead of me, and then there's a pack like 
behind me and I'm kind of on my own. And I've spent a lot of those races on my own, um, just watching a dot disappear off into the distance and watching the numbers grow from the car behind. Um, with the F1, it's not a sprint race. It's a 60% um, F1 race. It's an hour long. You have tire strategy to consider. They have a soft, a medium, and a hard compound tire, and you have to manage them. You know, you could run the whole race on the hard tire, but you wouldn't be very, very quick. Um, usually the fastest strategy is soft, soft for the really, really good guys who are good at looking off their tires. Or there's me who can plod around on a medium tire and strap a soft on at the end. And just because someone is 10 seconds up the road at one point during the race doesn't mean you're never going to catch them because they might kill their tires. There was so much going on. And I remember um, when I was doing a couple of my streams that people, I had, I had some overlays on the screen, which tells you when other people have pitted and how long their pit stops are. And I've got people in the stream telling me when people have pitted and telling me what's <laughs> going on. And oh, then nice. I'm like, oh, okay, so I can actually keep going at the pace that I'm currently going at. I haven't got to pick up the pace or drop off. And it just added a whole nother layer of excitement for the whole aspect of the race, um, which is something I just loved about it. So, uh, and, and obviously horses for courses and each to their own, just from my, my point of view, tire management is like the most horrible, boring thing in racing that you don't want to have to do. So using this as a leisure activity, the last thing I want to do is really have to be driving around thinking, oh, I should probably preserve these tires a bit more. And I say that also as a fan of endurance racing, where that does come into it a little bit. But for the most part, I I don't enjoy that style of racing. I, I like watching it. I enjoy watching Formula One. I like other people having to suffer those problems, but I would much rather just... <laughs> push and enjoy it you know driving flat out for 25 minutes that's because you're generally at the front of the grid for someone like me who's not ever the fastest in a session i can tend to get a good result because i can drive the race better than other people and the great thing the the great and the bad thing about the f1 series the igp series is it's not massively populated. So you're racing a lot of the same people all the time, which is really great for familiar familiarity. So the racing is really good and everyone gives people loads and loads of space. So it's like, oh, okay, I know a whole bunch of names that, that do it. Um, and then also the other thing is they, um, they, they uh, do a massive live stream on a Saturday night. All right. Well, look, uh, let's, um, let's, uh, I want to, I want to go to Brad's VCO stuff because you got a good result. Um, in fact, let's do that before we go to our, our F3 series and the planning around that. Uh, you you scored a, a decent result at the VCO, and I think it's because I didn't watch it. I Every time I watch you in one of those races, like your teammate gets wiped out in turn one by, I don't know, just stopping the car and deciding to go on a fist fight with someone. It just seems to be you've had the worst luck with teammates, uh, but a decent result this time around. Yeah, so... Um... The way this whole VCO sim, sim series works is you alternate between which driver starts the race. So uh, one race, the professional sim driver starts and the other race, the the real world pro starts. And every time I've started the race, we've had quite a good one. Um, and generally when my when my teammate um, drives, we don't necessarily make it to my stint. Um, however, this race went well. I started the race and fortunately it was actually on the same track and using the same cars as the missed apex events going to be this friday so that's useful for me i've had some practice (laughs) and yeah and although i i really mucked up the qualifying we were right at the back i managed to come through and we i think we eventually came 11th or something like that which doesn't sound like a great result but out of 44 cars when the top 20 all earn money this was around a hundred dollars i earned for that race um nice so that was our best one of the season it was really good and that's why we can now we can call you professional sim 
driver, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to collect, I reckon, about £150 from the end of the season when they, when they pay us all at the end. Um, so yeah, real real good series, that VCO. And I love that, them as an organisation. They're very professional. They really they look after the drivers. We all had money put in our iRacing accounts to buy the content required to race in the series. I wondered and, about that. Yeah. And we were all invited along and, and you know they communicate very well. Really, really like those guys. And and you you hang on a minute. You've got ads on your YouTube as well. So next time I'm going to introduce you as professional sim driver and streamer, Brad Philpot. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, I've actually bought equipment now using my um, using my YouTube earnings. So I bought sim equipment. So that's what go. it's for. Um, so yeah, go and follow me, like and subscribe, and and earn me some more naught point naught naught one pennies, please. Um, in a similar budget range of youtubing is alex on his stream as well search for alex van jean you have you have a loyal following in fact uh i heard game streamers basically saying i didn't know what the game streaming ecosystem was like but apparently like anything over a hundred people tuning into your live stream puts you in like the top two percent of all gaming streamers in the world or something like that so given that alex you've got a you've got a great little community following you i get six or seven it's mostly just our mates, though, um, wow. Richard, um, w- 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 um, one of our friends, Richard Malden, was disappointed that I didn't stream. But the biggest issue with streaming, and I had to again I had this conversation with Brad, was with me. I don't have a permanent setup, so my setup is in my lounge, and I have to build it every time I want to play. Um, and well, drive, not play, not play. Drive, not, not play. play. Sorry, but just pulling out the rig. I've got a rig that folds out. That's the play seat challenge. Brilliant piece of kit. You've got the same thing. Yeah. Um, and it's brilliant. It folds out really quickly. However, when I want to stream, I don't want to use the microphone in my VR headset because it's not great. I'd rather use this microphone that I use for podcasting. Um, but to do that, I have to set up my arm. I then have to position everything. I've then got to run cables around. And the problem is, is the, the system we use to stream it as a system called OBS is finickety as heck. And it doesn't remember anything. So what I do when I, when I go to stream is I spend 20 minutes, half an hour, setting up my stream which for iRacing is time i could spend practicing which i desperately need um you know if i'm going to stream something some of the other games i play it's not a problem because i don't need to practice for those fair enough we'll just tune into brad he seems to find it easy so when you were streaming the vco brad um you were still driving though even though you were saying pro sim driver you were still driving with the quote unquote real drivers the the real world drivers um as you came through the field from 40th to 11th, did you did you make any nice celebrity passes on your way through? Uh, yes, probably lots that I didn't realise. Um, I, I made my way past Max Verstappen, although he was at the side of the track with three wheels. Counts. Um, so yeah, I, I'm still counting that. Um, and, and it wasn't even his fault. I, I posted some footage online where he had pretty severe net code. He was about five feet from the car next to him and it just bounced him into the wall. Whereas I then hit the person he hit pretty hard and got no damage whatsoever so um yeah lots and lots of celebrities in those races and it's always great when when they join grosjean's often in there as well um and and we've done quite a few things like this organized by vco recently like this nation's cup we had uh, a couple of weeks ago Mm, as well Uh, another similar thing but that was 100 percent real world drivers which makes my life a lot easier because i obviously compare better against non-sim pros than i do against the sim pros um and it, normally there's only a few of the real world drivers who compare against the the top sim guys who's who's the best sort of real world driver that we'll know who, who's who's good is verstappen like a good sim driver 
yeah, Verstappen is is indistinguishable really from the highest level of sim driver. He was on pole for the Bathurst 12 hours recently in GT3s. Um, you've also got Sage Karam from IndyCar. He's another guy who, if he wasn't a real world driver, he could very easily just be a sim driver. And there's a couple of GT guys who who are very similar as well. Sammy Matty Trogan is a factory BMW GT3 driver. He's one of the Williams Esports drivers and he's interchangeable with their top sim pros. So uh, there's there's definitely a big crossover if you've, I guess, if you've grown up with it and if you've done high level sim racing alongside your karting and formula renault and formula three careers whereas for some of the rest of us i maybe have a a little bit easier than you guys um but when obviously the later you join the harder it is to become top level in anything yeah i didn't touch a sim until i was 36 which is way too old for anything uh alex the uh, best example i've got of seeing max verstappen was when we went to do road atlanta a couple of weeks ago and i'd never done the track before i didn't know what it looked like um and i found max's world record lap in the f3 around there and watching his video it was like oh actually it's pretty 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 simple the place you know it, it the thing looks like it's on rails and it's not it's just he's just unreal i could not replicate the lap and bear in mind i didn't do massively well at road atlanta but i loved it because it was like a big go-kart track um but just when you watch some of these hot laps from people um who are the best out there they're almost unachievable um, which is why I never look for the fastest one. It's why you mentioned Stuffy. Stuffy's ones are great because Stuffy isn't the fastest guy out there, but he understands it. Mm. So he, he explains it very, very well. Um, and his lap times are achievable. When you look at Max Verstappen and he's three and a half seconds up the road, it's impossible. I'm going to miscredit this, but I think it was John M in our iRacing Slack community who who was giving advice to people saying, stop stop looking at the top guys Look for someone a second faster than you. See what they're doing, because we're all getting into VRS and comparing the data. See where you're losing time to them and and try and claw up to them. I've never done that. I've always looked at where's the biggest gaps to the very fastest guys so that I could just see like big chunks of time. So, for example, uh, after the big long straight at Spa to our friend Danny, who's the who was the fastest on the grid, I think, until... Uh, Brad decided to join. I think you've just pipped him. Uh, I was losing two thirds on that on that one ninety degree cor- corner. Sorry, two thirds, two tenths on that one ninety degree corner alone. And you go right, okay, that's where I've got the biggest gain. So, so which one of those methods do you like, Brad? Pick someone a second ahead or the best guys? Right. So, just as a counter to that method, I in the real world in instructing um, land when I've been teaching novices on racetracks how to go faster you quite often see that you'll be giving advice to someone you'll be coaching someone telling them exactly what they need to do and and how to get faster and then you'll see them in a little huddle with their mates who are still not very good just a bit faster than they are and their mates will be telling them still all the wrong things to do they're just slightly better than the things they're doing and that really turns me off this method because just because someone's a second quicker than you doesn't mean they're doing any anything right at all. They're just not doing it as badly as you. I would <laughs> okay. still advocate definitely looking at what the top guys are doing okay. and trying to get as close to that as possible. Just because you might not be able to do it exactly the same as them, at least the guide that you're aiming at is correct. You know that the car is capable of doing those things and those are the lines you should be on and just kind of try and work towards that. Maybe it makes you feel better if you're only aiming at someone a second ahead. But ultimately, I think it's a, a false economy. I think you should be looking at the good guys and try to copy them. 
I think what um I think what spanners might mean from that isn't necessarily looking at their data and trying to copy their data, but look at their time and just try and get to their time. Because there are people, you know, Spa's a big circuit. Um, actually, Spa's a lot closer, closer than we thought it's going to be. But um, A lot of throttle, you know, throttle, a lot of time on throttle around Spa, isn't yeah, it? So yeah. if you're three seconds off the pace, trying to look at yours or Danny's lap time is daunting. But looking at someone who's a second up the road, but then still look at yours or Danny's data, for example. Um, it's like something I got, Danny posted a video um, of Spa. And something I picked up was he's breaking little but for longer i really want to talk about this yeah this will be where one of my questions. I, I was when we did our first practice session i was breaking quite hard and just trying to get off the brakes as quickly as possible um and doing hardly any trail braking um which again i can let i can leave brad to explain trail braking properly but um we uh once i started doing that i just found bags and bags of time and so much more grip and it was more enjoyable so i also identified the same difference between me and danny's traces i actually looked at at the braking traces and uh, by the way this is on vrs so credit vrs um if you do the free plan you have four hours in one session to look at the data per week and then it resets obviously i think it's unlimited for the future plans so i was looking at me versus danny at the end of that long straight so you come past the rouge down the long straight is it the Kemmel straight? And then I've completely... Lacombe. Lacombe is the right-hander, the first of the right-left, right? So it's, um, it's, it's, it's basically a 90-degree turn. So that's what I'm talking about in general is the 90-degree turns. Now, since I got these load cell pedals, I've been working really hard because I looked at some traces before and saw that people were on the brakes harder, earlier, and longer. So I have spent weeks just really concentrating on getting that brake pressure on right to the brake point, and then you and I were talking about bleeding that off as you slow down because the brake point, the, the lock point is then at a, a lower brake pressure. So you have to match that through the corner. So that's what I've been doing. Peak brake pressure. I've been getting good. I've been getting solid on it. I, I've tie wrapped my brakes down and then layers of duct tape. Those things are not going anywhere, right? Uh, but then when I looked at Danny's trace into this 90 degree bend, actually it's, it's still, it still peaks, but it peaks after me. So he builds up to it. And then he's on the brakes for a lot longer into that 90 degree. So I think I had this tool of getting on the brakes, bleeding it off, staying right on the locking point, which is, has improved my lap times no end. But now it's, it's, I'm using the wrong tool for every corner, if that makes sense. Everything looks like a nail now because I've got that hammer of that braking style. So I need to adapt to these other corners. Yeah, that, that's exactly the kind of problem you're going to run into as you get more advanced with your driving is the nuance of different types of corner and and different requirements of different cars approaching different types of corner. So your technique you were saying about the hard braking and then bleeding off, yeah. that is correct in a lot of situations, but not necessarily every situation. And the one you're talking about here, maybe the the limiting factor is the stability of the car on the entry or maybe the the understeer as you approach mid corner as you as you approach the apex on that right hander and maybe you need that weight to be consistently over the front wheels just a little bit more to allow the nose to go where you need it to go oh. as opposed to getting all the weight on it early and then by the time you get to actually apply more steering lock the the car has kind of leveled off a bit and you you don't have as much weight on the nose so what you need at that point. I certainly know from my experience driving Spa in these cars recently, I'm trying to keep it pointy and trying to keep weight over the front until I'm happy that I'm I'm going to make that apex and then switch to the next left-hander. So it, yeah, different different situations require different things. And that's just a good example of one. Cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so I've learned something brand new here, which is using the brake to to angle the car to have more downforce. So that is a completely new territory for me, and I've got to rethink my approach to the... Is this... Is this um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So with the hairpins, I guess we're getting the speed down and then we're using mechanical grip really to get around the slowest part of the hairpin. Whereas now this is really what I've been lacking. This is using the arrow all the way through like a sweeping fast corner. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily even just talking about the arrow. I'm talking about weight over the front tires um, just from the deceleration, but it's kind of because it's a slightly longer, more gradual one, you've just got a more consistent platform. There is obviously aero involved as well. Yeah. If you were to overslow the car and then go into the corner, you're right, you've lost a big chunk of aero as well. And that's more like you've just gone in a bit too slow. But like with a hairpin, as you mentioned, you don't need that. There's certainly no aero. Um, and you can't have weight over the nose all the way into an apex of a hairpin necessarily, or not to the same extent, because you're going to experience understeer at some point. You, the, the corner is too tight um, and the difference between the speed you're approaching at and the speed you need to achieve are too great to really have that yeah. long, smooth, consistent deceleration. You'd be wasting too much time on the brakes. Whereas a corner like uh, uh, um, Lacombe that we're talking about, the end of the Kemmel Strait, it's a much less tight corner. It is quite a high speed corner. So you can still use some downforce um, and you know not have to have such a big differential between the extreme of your braking and the apex um behavior as a driver okay i think my mind yeah my mind went off down the aero path but yeah the, the the thing you were really focusing on was the fact that i've got weight over the front wheels therefore i'm turning and biting into the into the ground a little bit more so oh okay so i'm gonna approach that but it's i guess it's that's kind of the feel that you can't teach like alex how did you see that data and then translate that to, have you you've got load cell pedals as well haven't you yeah, I've got the same pedals as you, oh, um, right. which are the CSL Elite Fanatec yeah. ones. Um, I didn't watch the trace. I watched his video because on his video he left his um, he's, he left his throttle traces right. up from the from the iRacing uh, UI, and um, I just watched that. I was just like, he's breaking hardly any. He's not breaking that much, um, and I was breaking much harder than him for less time. And I'm like, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Okay. So he's braking for longer. I think I've got a bit of a hangover from the Formula Renault 2.0s, where if you didn't have exactly the right setup, if you stayed on the brakes too long into the braking zone, the back would just go. 
So the Formula 3, it's, it's not going to do that. It's a more stable, heavier car, so I can start using these kind of m- m- you know, more advanced braking techniques perhaps easier than I would in the Renault 2.0. Yeah, just as a, this is a real general rule, but just to try and help visualize where you should be aiming your brake pressure and the style that you approach a corner, the straighter the corner, so the less of a corner each corner is, probably the more gently you're going to be applying the brakes. And, and as the corner tightens up, your brake trace is going to reflect more and more like this very hard initially and then bleeding off. And there's, it kind of, if you were to show a diagram of a, of a corner and it kind of tightening and tightening and alongside it, the brake trace you should expect on the approach of that corner, they will kind of be morphing in sync. Um, obviously it depends on what comes next as well, as we always say, but just taking it as a very simple explanation. Yeah. Um, if, if you've got a, a flat out corner, which is very gentle, obviously there's no braking. And then the tighter it gets and the more you need to slow down, the harder and the more uh, the, the more firm and short the braking is going to become. I, I want to hear from people listening to this, whether that is new information to you, like whether I'm just being stupid. So spanners at mistapex.net. Do you want a fancy Mist Apex uh, uh, email? Either of you. You can have one if you want. Mistapex.net. No, fine. Sod it. I'll just forward it to you. Spanners at mistapex.net. Uh, tell me if this is new info because look, we'll talk about another corner at Spa. And no, I'm not just sitting here trying to go corner by corner to improve my lap time, but I am doing that. This is relevant, I promise. So poo on after the big hairpin. So in the same section, after the hairpin, there's a kink off to the left and then you accelerate down to poo on. Now you do need to brake a little bit in the F3 to get your speed down. But again, I have been like just getting all the, the braking I need to get done short and sharp and then kind of pointing it in and then hammering the accelerator. So that is a very slight turn. Should I be taking that speed off much more gradually then into a corner like that? Alex? Again, Puan's a bit, again, a, you take it in the same instance as you do Lacoom. You have a very slight braking, you turn Aww. it in. The, the, the best way you can it. tell, the best way you can tell with Puan if you're doing it right or wrong is if you aren't using all of the track. If you're leaving yeah. any track in Puan, you're going too slow. So so is that too simplistic, my explanation, Brad, here, combined with what Alex has said, is that instead of stamping on it and then point and square, I need to be managing my speed with a more, you know, with a more gradual but perhaps longer brake pressure. So the more we talk about these things, the more I realise just how many um, it depends are that you can kind of add into these things, how many little... <laughs> extra butts there are so puon the exit is a totally different you're aiming for a completely different thing at lecum you've got a 90 degree ish right followed by another corner which is also quite tight and then another corner in the other direction there's a lot of other compromise going on puon all you're focused on is trying to have the highest possible minimum speed and getting a really fast exit because once you've got the car turned in and you know you're going to make it through the corner without running wide and and you know uh, making the apex you're just straight back on the gas trying to carry as much speed as possible. So it's it's another, it's not quite the same. You you don't need to do like a long, um, smooth break. You also don't need to do a, a big, hard it. stop where you slow the car down a lot. You yeah. have to try and get the balance just right that you're braking only enough to make it through without running wide or, or missing the apex. But that's it. You know, you just mm-hmm. want to break the yeah. absolute minimum you can get away with whilst achieving that different aim which yeah. is highest possible minimum speed. So I, I definitely was stamping on it to get that, that, that speed off. I'll try, and, um, I'll try and avoid that. Alex? 
yeah, what I'm what I meant by the same as as, as you would do at Lukim is a case of you just want to trail the break in. It, 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 it's more okay. It's, it's another one of those trail break corners, not a stamp on the break, but corner. just over a much shorter distance. Oh because yeah, there's correct. less speed to take off. And it is, it is as Brad said, it's literally to get as little speed off as possible to make the corner. And the the equivalent of trailing the brakes at Lecoum, where as you're approaching the apex and you're still kind of trailing on the brake pedal a bit, the equivalent of Puon is lift is not being on the throttle. So you're still trying to achieve that same thing of not running wide too early, but because you're going at a higher speed, you're just not getting on the throttle too early. It's kind of, you know, you're just not, rather than uh, Lecoum, making sure you're slowing down enough at Puon, it's making sure you're not speeding up too early. But it's the same kind of thing where you're just trying to carry as much speed as possible while staying on the line you want. That's what you're trying to do in both these situations. It's just slight different technique changes. And then you just get an off track and it doesn't matter because a lot of the off tracks at Spa are just way, way faster. So this is a real issue that we're having planning this this championship. One of many decisions we've had to make is what we're going to do about off tracks because you forget you've just got freedom. You get used to the officials where it might be 18 laps. If you get 16 1Xs or 16Xs, then you're disqualified. So we had to make a decision whether we were going to carry that um, and whether we were just going to let people off or be less lenient. We've come to a decision, which I'll share here. I think we decided not to tell anyone, but whatever, I'm talking now. Uh, right. Oh, look, Alex is rubbing his hands. Right, here we go. So it's so easy to rack up 1Xs. I would imagine if that was an 18-lap race, just about everyone will have got to the 16X limit. The officials must be a nightmare there. Um, so we've decided in a nine-lap race, if you get to 16X, you're going to get a stop and go. So I don't, I don't know what you guys think of that. It's a stop and go and then a stop and go for every 10x afterwards. Have you told Danny yet? Why? What's, what's the, Danny lives by the, um, and I learned this phrase from Brad, the tactical use oh, of, yeah. uh, of using your exes. Danny lives by that. He had a reputation in our old, in our old um, PlayStation Championship. So there, there's one place I know I'm going to do tactical use of of the one X's and I'm not sharing it until after we've had the round because when I've done it in practice, it's given me like overtake or it's let me defend so easily. And I'm quite happy to take the one X for that, Brad. Yes. But it's not just about that lap time being quicker by getting an off track. Yeah. It's that if you're in a fight with someone you and you need to stay in that slipstream in order to stay in the fight, you can just allow the car to go. What, well, you know, if you yeah. haven't managed to completely get the right entry speed for a corner and you realize it early enough, you can go, screw it. I'm just going to get my foot down and run wide. And provided you've got enough X's remaining, there are a few places at this track where you can do that. And and I've got quite a a lot of experience in this now, but I would say over a a single clean fast lap, there's really not that much time to be gained. I've done some of my very fastest laps entirely cleanly. It's just hard to keep the laps clean. That's the problem. Kyle Power will hate this conversation. I know when he's listening to this, he will yeah. be jumping up and down, shouting because it's not honourable, um, and it's definitely <laughs> not the type of thing that Kyle would do. Um, so yeah, so it, it's the whole thing. It's that case of if you're allowed to do it, it's within the rules, therefore <laughs> yeah. it's not dishonourable. Yeah, but it's not really. It's that shady bending of the rules bit. Um, so my 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 area of one X, and, and to be honest, all the other ones, are, I'm like. The 1X is like, okay, you got away with it, so you stayed on track, try and avoid it still. The, the one I've got in my head, it's actually, it is more dangerous to go and do the 1X because the track surface has got less grip and you have to be a little bit more leery at the apex to use it. So uh, 
Alex just guessed which turn it is by putting his hands up. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so there is a risk doing it, but you can use that to kind of attack and defend. Yeah, I don't think it's going to... It's not going to put me like a second a lap up or anything like that. Um, but over nine laps, I mean, if you get, a, if you get a, a small contact with a 4X, even over nine laps, the course is challenging enough with the X's to, to bring you up to that 16X limit. And, and that's not being a Larry driver. That's just, a, just dipping a wheel lap after lap in various places. Unless it's set in stone, and maybe this should be saved for the WhatsApp chat, but um, maybe points deduction rather than stop go. Nah, I like the stop and no. go. Basically, I... it's your race, is, your competitive race in the position you're in is finished, but we're not disqualifying you. You can still carry on and fight for a lower position. It's still got to be a big incentive to... Stop, go or drive through? Uh, stop and go. It's a stop and go. Yeah. I, I'm with you on this, Banners. I, I like that by driving correctly, you're earning yourself a bit more leeway if <laughs> you need to use it. Yeah. And, and I like that if I'm following a car and they are taking the mickey a bit and they're running really wide all the time, at some point they're going to have to stop. Um, so I, I'm behind this decision. So I wouldn't be using my 1Xs, my tactical 1Xs early in the race because you just don't know what's going to happen and if you're going to be able to keep it going. Yeah, nine laps, is a, it's a long way around, um, around Spa. So I think it's going to be our longest official race. Uh, but this is what we've had to deal with as event organisers and championship organisers. Now, me and Brad have been uh, chatting during the week about potentially doing a high-level iRacing series. So we've always done it for listeners. And whenever anyone has asked me, how do I get involved in Mr. Apex podcasts uh, uh, sessions and Mr. Apex podcast tournaments, I say, hey, we talk about it on the show and the link is in the show notes. So tune into the show and you will find out, you know, soon enough. That's because I only really want people who listen, who are invested in our community to then come along because they want to be involved. And it stops people like just like deliberately wrecking because there's a certain social pressure. And I think, I think... In our community, that replaces the lack of physical danger because nobody wants to be the one that ruins Alex race, Alex's race. And Alex, you don't want to go and ruin Mike Stoner's race because he's a listener and he's part of our community and, and there are there are friends a lot of the time as well. So I like that. But we were also discussing how we would put a tournament together where, I don't know, where we had a sponsor and there was prize money and you were just providing like a, an elite top level event. And then obviously organising our F3 series we're running through all these problems, learning what works and, and what doesn't work. Because there is a certain skill, isn't there, Brad, I think, to organising a good event and coming up with these rules like, what do you do about DQs and 1Xs? Yes, and I, I've been fortunate or unfortunate, maybe, to see behind the scenes in some of the organisation of, of these big events. I thought you said um, I was. <laughs> no, no uh, you guys, the Missed Apex events are really, really good. But I, I think it will add an extra element of difficulty when it isn't people who are invested in yes. in the project itself and have maybe even potentially paid an entry fee to be there as a professional, which yeah. is what some series do. And I've seen a lot of uh, Discord is where a lot of these championships are run and they have various rooms where there's like rules discussions or driver chat or um, race control announcements. And I've seen Formula One drivers and IndyCar drivers kind of arguing and you know people putting up the popcorn memes and things <laughs> about all manner of yeah. rules infringements or potential rules changes from cooling the tires on the grass to this brake dragging thing which has been plaguing the the official iRacing World Championship yeah. um, all these different things where 
people tr- are trying to make gentlemen's agreements to say, you know, we this doesn't look very professional if we do this. And other people having the attitude that me and Alex tend to take, which is, well, if we can get away with it, then we're going to do it. Um, all these things go on in the background. And it's a very detailed, difficult thing to run these series um, to the point where some of this, or one of the series in particular that I've been racing in, the DNLS, which is the, the Nürburgring's official version of their yeah. real life endurance series, that's run by the same people who run the real events. And and I actually think they can be too strict on some of the rules and try and make it too much like real life. But there's such a spectrum of these different events and there's good arguments to be had either way for all sorts of, of methods of running them. So I've just put in a notes for a future show to ask you about brake dragging and cooling the tires on the grass because that all sounds very interesting. But we've certainly been uh, advised by people in the past on the outlaps before qualifying, drag the brakes to get tires in to get heat into your tires and stuff. We can explore all of that later because I want to focus on the organisation, the gentleman's agreement stuff. That is very, very, very difficult to enforce. So the drama we've had uh, of late is the argument between fixed setups and open setups. Now, I know you like the fixed setups, Brad, because it just takes away the the element of you know being a race engineer. I don't like being a race engineer either. In reality, when we ran the championship with fixed setups, there was no end of complaints and uh, it was so hard. It was so hard to get a balance between a, a drivable car and a car the top guys would enjoy and find pointy and race with. Like Alex, I think you said running with our fixed setup sucked the joy out of iRacing because I had a very corporate setup when we first started doing the Formula Renault uh, 2.0 because no one could keep it on the track. Brad did what he thought would be a, a really like a great setup and it was but no one could could keep it pointing forwards um so we had you know we it took a lot of work to provide a good setup and really no one was happy whatever we did i understand why people like fixed setups like like brad says i'm not an engineer mm. i don't do i racing to be an engineer and neither do i but i like a car a particular way so i mean we have a perfect example for this which was we were doing nurburgring and we had danny was doing our setup and the car was set up in a particular way that worked perfectly for me i was right near the sharp end of the grid but then people were struggling with it and they were dropping it a lot danny made two clicks of um of of in the wrong direction on the diff gave me loads of understeer i lost a second and i never found it again so that's the issue for someone like me when i drive the car in a particular way and i can't describe how i drive the car i I like it quite pointy i've got to stop you, and it's difficult for me i've got to stop you because the brad smirk and he does it to me all the time means that we've said something that he finds to be incomprehensibly naive no so i i i do accept the validity of the majority of what you're saying there and and i think i was probably one of the advocates originally for us changing to um to non-fixed setups where we could alter them because that's fine by me. I, I, I'm also happy to drive a car, which I like the feel of. I do prefer to not have to bother. I do like being able to mm. rock up and just drive better. If the car needs to be driven a certain way, I'll just learn how to drive it a, a different way, even if it feels a bit understeery or oversteer or whatever. However, on this whole people struggle to drive X um, setup, like Alex was saying about the diff changing yeah. two clicks, I have a strong suspicion, as with in the real world, that there is a massive dollop of placebo effect going on here. And I really think that a lot of people, if you told them, oh, I've made this setup much more pointy now, um, now you'll have better turn in, 
and then they went and drove it, they would agree with you that, yes, it feels much better now. Um, whereas nothing has changed at all. Special um, tires. Special tires. I put special exactly, tires on the car. Exactly that. <laughs> or maybe you can defend yourself, Alex. It, it's quite funny. Diff is something that works for me. In in every car, the diff is something. Well, I didn't say every car. The Formula Renault and the F3 are two cars where I I work with the diff and I change a lot of the diff settings. Um, where other people are changing the anti roll bar, and it works for me because what I understand about the diff is when you have um when the number is lower i'm very simple terms here when the number is lower the uh car basically just turns more and that's always the way and i turn it back up and it doesn't turn and that's the way it works for me um the big benefit we have in our series though is we share setups we have lots and lots of different setups we have some very we have some setups that have been built um and there's several of them and they all are capable of very decent lap times the difficulty comes is when danny pops up he's gone half a second quicker because he's changed the left phalange and all of a sudden he's quicker and then everybody just begs and wants that setup um and i i we disagree on this brad but i do think setups are quite personal and some do work for others that don't work for others. Yes, there is probably an ultimate fastest setup, but you have to be at a very high caliber to make that work. Yeah, so that's where an example of where gentleman's agreement A doesn't practically work because it was it was too much for the top guys, everyone seeing their times and then going, right, well, what setup are you on, uh, Luca? What setup are you on, Tim? And and they'd have to spend their whole oh, okay, hang on, let me just pull over and share that with you. So again, we're using them. We're not sponsored by them, honestly, but we're using the VRS service to have a team on there, which means that within our team, we're making it mandatory to just have everyone be able to access your lap times. And it tells you what setup they were using and you can just download it. And and to us, that just gets rid of the element of secrecy with setups and stuff like that. And when we go out as a team in the Enduros and in the Swarm, when we go out as a Mist Apex team with our lovely chrome silver and red livery, next year uh next year next season we have access to everybody's setups as well so even if you miss a practice session you can just do it so all very handy uh but yeah it, these gentlemen's agreements they they don't tend to work so the other gentleman's agreement we've got is the in-lap and we have a, a standing gentleman's agreement that you will have enough fuel to go and and do the in-lap so that we don't look terrible on our broadcast um i have an example from a series that enforces that not as a gentleman gentleman's agreement but as an actual rule where um the winner of the race lost the win because they couldn't make it back to the pit so in the dnls race at the weekend at the nurburgring um danny Junkadella of um dtm and formula three and mercedes reserve driver at some point fame he won in the mercedes um, amg gt3 car with his teammate won the this three-hour race and then i saw them as i was driving back around to the pits stuck at the side of the track they just run out of fuel before they got back to the pits the wind was stripped from them um so there are there are examples of other series enforcing that kind of thing without um we might have to enforce it because you know somebody rightly went oh what if i accidentally run out of fuel and i was like oh yeah no i mean good point but then to enforce it you know you've got to have the manpower to to actually sit and have everyone watch them come into the pits and then declare them as the winner yeah, and what if they crash accidentally on the... Yeah. Uh, if the rule is you must make it back to the pit lane after the race, um, then that maybe that covers that 
well, what if there's contact as well? You know, what if there's contact after the pit lane? So it's, it's thorny. So at the moment, it's still a, a gentleman's yeah. agreement for us. Well, it's like the other thing that we tried to do with regards to gentleman agreement was trying to nerf the faster guys by adding ballast. But the only option to us for adding ballast is adding extra weight via mm. fuel. But then you have to say, Danny, have you put 20 kilos of extra fuel in? Of course I have. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we're all mandated to share our stuff on VRS and running telemetry, won't we be able to scrutinise how much fuel everyone was running? Yeah, if you can be bothered. If you can be bothered to go and look. In, in order to solve one of the biggest things we've had, which is we can have various classes with various weights. <gasps> I think Danny's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's all been done in real time on a podcast recording as well. I like that. So I don't use VRS, so is this something I need to get installed and working then for the Missed Apex event? Again, not advert, not an advert uh, for VRS, but I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. So no, we're inviting people to join our team at the moment, and certain people I have really gone... I need you to to be signed up for it for it for this to work, um, but we are considering mandating it for say everybody in the top half of the championship has to run with the telemetry and this small app. It's all very simple. It's a free uh, sign up and a free. I'm really not a salesman for VRS, so I'm just going to stop. But look, we will say more as we explore what we can do as a championship with it. To balance it out, we use setups from PDS and Pure Driving Pure Driving School, and we also use setups from Craig's setup shop. There you go. Are the, you've just done the kind of BBC thing. Other setups, are, other race schools are available. <laughs> uh, I, I do. I've done that on on radio the, before, where I've gone. Other deodorants are available, but they're not as good. This is my favourite one. Sorry, um, you don't really get into trouble because no one listens to you. It's fine. I think that that is just about the right amount of time for a show, but I've noted down loads of topics that I want to explore in future episodes. I think qualifying, focusing on qualifying and qualifying mentality is something that I am really lacking on. We had a great question from Adam Rosales as well about gear shifting. So I think we'll explore a little bit about uh, gears as well and we've got some great questions from john lang there about kit i like talking kit we're um every, i don't want to do like every show kit show after show but i do like a bit of kit chat there's a lot of chat going on in our community at the moment about how to build uh extra stuff with wood and metal for stability because at the moment my play seat challenge alex although i love it when i hit the load cell the front legs where it joins to the pedal is rising like if I really stamp on the brakes, I get the opposite sensation that I should have because I'm going backwards instead of braking and going forwards. Do you raise your pedals? No, they're flat to the floor. Ah, uh, see, I raise. I still get the same issue, but I raise my pedals, and I've got a much better platform. Maybe what we should do is we should do this as a live stream and yeah. do a um, rate my rig, and everyone sends pictures of their rig so we can go through people's rigs no, and point out because what they've look, because Brad's just switched cameras so we can see his rig, so he's done a massive rig flex. Um, yours is so uh, supplied by a partner, isn't it, Brad? Yes, it is. Yes. So Track Racer very kindly sent me my rig, which I was gradually saving up to buy. They sent nice. me it for free. So that helped me out a lot. So um, yeah, we're very uh, jealous. As as did OBP with these fantastic hydraulic pedals. So thanks to both of those companies. No problem. Says, says me and with me and Spanner sat here with our folding rigs. If you were, and we're, we're quite happy to support our partners here, Brad. So if you want to send me a link, we'll link to those in the show notes as well and um, to give them an extra plug. Uh, one chat I do want to have as well is what my next future upgrade will be. Uh, I'm talking like the end of the year. So when I move on from the play seat, where am I going? We're going to a new house. My wife un- unbelievably turned around and said, when we go to the new house, you're going to need a dedicated space 
for the sim. That was her suggestion. I couldn't believe it. Uh, it might be more because at the moment we have to fold it and then a piano comes in for her stuff and then the piano goes out and the rig gets unfolded. So maybe she's just fed up of doing that. Uh, but that was a great chat, guys. I really, really enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to the first round of Spa Function. It's the first round of the Mist Apex F3 Challenge Cup, I think we're calling it. And then the fourth round is the Mist Apex Challenge Mug, I think it's being called, where it's a different discipline for every race four in the championship and they're scoring points so you can win the Mist Apex mug and you will get an actual Mist Apex mug if you win that championship. So there you go, Brad. That's an incentive for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that is that the fourth yes. round of the series? No, no, or is no. That the the fourth, fourth race on the day? The fourth race of every round is this challenge mug. And we don't know what that is yet. <laughs> no, it's it's a complete surprise, I believe, you're getting told on the night. Okay, I well, think. cool. Or on the day. Anyway, follow Brad uh, at Bradley Philpot. Follow his YouTube channel. Uh, just search for Bradley Philpot on YouTube. Alex is Alex Van Jean. It's spelled odd, right? Because it's not, I don't think it's a real name. It was like two things squished together. Because it was like, it's like a Dutch van, isn't it? And you've just anglicized it. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Yeah. It was supposed to be Van Gein, but yeah, Van Jean. Just, just, just type, I'm the only one. There's no one else called Alex Van Jean. Yeah, just type my up. name into Google and you'll find every, anything relating to me. Um, there's a scientist called Alexander Van Jean somewhere, but um, that's not me. It's because you made up Alexander. the name. Of course, it's your only. You're the only <laughs> one. If I, if I called myself Shed Lamp Switch, well, that's quite a good name, actually. Richard Shed Lamp Switch. I like that. All right, I might do it. Um, then you can search for Alex by searching for Alex Van Jean or at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. The show is at iRacing Podcast. Uh, follow our F1 at Mist Apex F1 and follow me at Spanners Ready. Uh, we stream live every Sunday for the Formula One show and we record this every Wednesday. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. It's not very snappy. We were thinking of what name to call this over and over. We went through all oh, different like downshift and all those kind of things, and then we ended up with Mist Apex iRacing podcast. It goes with the brand and I people type in iRacing, and it made the logo easier I, as well. I, I can't believe there isn't an iRacing podcast. I think it works really well because you've got your you, the Twitter for this is <laughs> what's the Twitter for this iRacing podcast. iRacing podcast. Yeah, I'm trying not to draw too much attention to that, but I'm expecting someone to come along and go, can we have that back, please? And I was yeah. going to give it to him. <laughs> but I'm not... <laughs> Offer some money. No, Pay not, me for it. I'm going to fight it, but for now, it's empty, so we'll have it. All right. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.